Thank you, Donovan, for your words today, but <clears throat> we are going to be addressing being intoxicated by alcohol. And I think you might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little uh, interesting. We come to the end of 2017, and we begin 2018, and... and uh, you know, throughout this last year, I don't know where you have uh, been or what God has been doing in your life and in your heart, whether it's from just your own time alone with God or your own time of uh, maybe you have a favorite person that you listen to and you stream, and, or maybe there's some things that touched you throughout this year, uh, either from church, from the pulpit, or in your study. But I think the important thing that we look at is that we are illuminated by the year 2017, which brings the Word of God alive and living into our soul. My prayer for you throughout this whole last, uh, well, gosh, many years, has been that the Word uh, who you know has came alive in the life of Christ, but it's come alive in your life and in your soul. It's not only just a words on pages. I know by testimony some of you have said, wow, something happened. Something took place where there was a movement in my heart. Last, uh, was it last week? I can't remember when I spoke last, but we talked about the filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit and that that, that would be alive and rich in you all the time as we begin even today that we might agree with God right now that he would come and he would fill us and he would empower us. He says, I have given you ears to hear and eyes to see the things that are of God. And I, I think it's important that we realize what are we doing in 2017? This morning uh, I woke up early and, and Nancy was doing a study by A.W. Tozer, who's just a, a godly man uh, and one of the founding fathers that influenced many of many of the people uh, today. And she was reading, and she, here's a quote that he said, the man of illuminated mind will learn from his mistakes. Yes, even from his sins. If his heart is trusting and penitent, he can be a better man next year for last year's fault. But let him not return again to the folly. Repentance should be radical and thorough, and the best repentance for a wrong act, as Philanon said, it's not to do it again, at least purpose in your heart not to do it again. He uh, goes on to quote from uh, Brother Lawrence, who uh, was a guy that wrote a lot of uh, real personal devotions with God, and this really hit me a lot. And in light of any of the words that you referred to, this probably is where I stand. It said, Brother Lawrence said, you know, the highest moral wisdom in a man is he testifies that if he stumbles and fell, he turned at once to God and he said, oh, Lord, this is what you can expect from me if you leave me to myself. <laughs> and I think that, and then it says, and then he accepts the forgiveness, thanks God, and he gives himself no further concern about the matter. I pray that that will be your words this next year. You're going to look back, and it's easy to look back and, and think of all of the things that we kind of fell at or all the things that were there. And th I want you to realize that when you fall or when somebody you know falls and stumbles, 
All it is is a testimony of all of us. This is what we look like when we're left to ourselves. And sometimes God, I think, allows that to happen just for the purpose of reminding us of that. Uh, I've, I've shared this example before. I will allude to it just again. It gets around this season uh, where we have Christmas and we have New Year's. And if you remember 22 years ago, uh, I was asked to speak at a Christmas Eve service. I was left to myself. <clears throat> it could have been the most difficult time in my life ever speaking to a group of people. I felt that the power of God was gone. Everybody out there felt that the power of God was gone. And it seemed like it was 45 years up here. And uh, even my nephew, who was a six at the time, when we asked him to say grace when we got home, he said, oh God, thank you for this food, and hoped that somebody heard something that Uncle Bill was trying to say. And so there is not a time that I do not get extremely frightened to talk to you about handling God's word. I know there's nothing for me that I have that can break through, and there's nothing uh, by myself unless God does it, and there's nothing you can hear unless God does it too. So in concluding uh, this Proverbs, we are in Proverbs 31, the last day, the last day of the year. And for a long time, there was a message put on my heart, and I have literally tried to avoid the message for quite some time. And yet, I saw it repeated throughout the book of Proverbs, and then it comes to the end of Proverbs 31, just before you read about the, the godly woman, and God talks about a subject that he has mentioned throughout, weave throughout. He uses Solomon to do a lot of the writings of Proverbs, and you'll notice that after Proverbs, we go into Ecclesiastics, another book by Solomon, where he is going to tell his testimony, and he starts right out with this topic. I thought about this topic, and I said, you know, I have been at this church for probably 25 years. I don't know that I've heard a message about this topic. I've heard alluded things to it. So uh, we are going to look at the topic, and we're going to look at Proverbs 31, and we are going to start with verse 4, and then we're going to build on this verse, and it says, it is not for kings or people in positions to drink too much wine, or for rulers to desire strong drink, lest they drink and they forget what is decreed or what it has been taught to them, and they pervert the right of the afflicted. If you want to give strong drink, give it to him who is perishing or struggling, and wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his troubles no more. So, Father, as we look at your topic, just of your word, that it would be alive, that it would not just be information, but it would cross over from just the words and into a living testimony of your life within ours. We're going to trust that you will do this, and we'll trust that you'll accomplish it. And it's in Jesus' name we yield. We're going to basically talk about alcohol. We're going to talk about drinking and, and partying and, and uh, what's God's perspective. 
Uh, it's not here to be a convicting, sobering talk. It's here to actually just give clarity to it because we just never have really talked much about it. And yet, all through the scriptures, it's alluded to. And I think that we want to do something. We want to take away the myths and all the lies and all the different things we have been told from religion about this topic. Uh, for some of you that are thinking, oh, it's really not that big a concern to me, well, we're going to touch about all the other topics that relate to this that are just uh, sometimes the vices we go to. But we're going to mainly look at this and all the things the Scripture says. So we're going to destroy some myths that we have. And I, I have been on every side of the myths. When I first started out, I, I was way over here on my view. And it's interesting that the people I talk to about alcohol and about things, they always share from a perspective of where they are, that everything seems to come through the eyes of where they are. If it wasn't cold out here and people knew uh, that I was talking on this, uh, on New Year's Eve, we probably would have had even less people here today. <laughs> they would rather listen to it after tonight. Okay. And so we want to kind of look at the, the myths that are out there. Uh, you've been told uh, many times that when it refers to wine throughout the entire canon of the Old Testament, to the Psalms, to the Proverbs, to the Minor Prophets, to the New Testament, that that wine was Kool-Aid. It was what they called Kool-Aid. Well, that is totally not right. It is a total in poor interpretation. When they talked about wine, they talked about the wine we have. A, now, there were little different uh, amounts of alcohol that was in each one, depending on who made it. But uh, Kool-Aid did not get intoxicated if you had too much. It was about the wine we drink. And they were been told also that uh, Christians should never have wine. And we're going to look at some scriptures that God basically uh, is going to go ahead and straighten that out for you. Those that like their wine, they're going to use a lot of scriptures. They're going to quote some of the verses that I'll quote why they should be drinking wine. And we're going to go ahead and also look at the verses about why God says not to drink alcohol and the reasons and when not to drink. And so we're going to look at those too. And you can be on any one of these camps at any time. And that's the thing that we have to see is that Christian life is not a formula that you go ahead and take. It is a day-by-day -day walk of intimacy with God. And so, therefore, God goes with you where you go. Tonight at New... Or, yeah, tonight's New Year's Eve, is it? Okay. New Year's Eve, okay, uh, God goes with you. So he doesn't stay outside the door depending on what you're going to do. He still inhabits your body. He's still a part of you. So we're going to kind of destroy some of those. And then I want to give you some really, I think, practical information that you can take with you in terms of not just alcohol, but it might be uh, a lot of the different aspects that we have. The addictions can be uh, from, uh, from food, from money, from the desire of wealth, from, uh, oh gosh, there's just so many different ones uh, you, that your, your name would be esteemed, uh, that it would uh, not be uh, profaned. Uh, I even told my wife, I said, I'm even, and she's not here too, and I said, I'm even going to use the, sometimes the addiction of electronics. Uh, I've never seen them so active as I have in my grandchildren. Uh, you take some electronics away from your grandchildren sometimes, and it's, it's literally like you have stabbed them. They, they will freak out. 
So we're just gonna look at what it is that you and I have that sometimes can distract us from God. And if you'll notice that everything that God has given us to be enjoyed is to be enjoyed for him. And I want to start with something that, that uh, I think is a premise, is that as you read the Word of God, and especially the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, if you remember this picture, uh, so to speak, is I want you to look over here and see this big old box, and it's a gift. It's wrapped up, and it is a gift. And it's a package. It's got a bow on it. And we have kind of a line connecting it all the way over here, and we have another gift. And this is a big gift. It's wrapped up, and it's got a bow on it. And I, when you got that picture, I want you to kind of see what this book is about and what this topic is about. God says that if we come over here and we open this gift, which is all the pleasures that God has given man from alcohol to music to food to relationships to intimacy to uh, creativity of uh, building, of homes and designs. He goes on to uh, landscaping. These are gifts. These are gifts that he says, I want you to be involved in these gifts. I want you to find pleasure in these gifts. But if we open this gift without the gift over here, it says that our life will be empty, futile, and filled with vanity. The gift without the gift to open the gift is miserable. It will leave you wanting all the time. Solomon said, listen, you don't have to try it yourself. I have had more resources, more wisdom, and more opportunity than any man will before me or after me. That includes all of us. He says, I'm going to try them all to their full extent. And he lists them all. And if you'll read in Ecclesiastes 1 and 2, you're going to find out that whatever you have tried, you haven't even competed with this man. This man became the best at whatever he did. He tried to fill himself, to satisfy himself, or even sometimes forget about himself by opening the gift without the gift to open the gift. He even says, I became a, a, a perfectionist in wine. I knew what kind of wines paired with what kind of foods. I knew that the food would taste better with this type of wine. I knew that this food would pair with this wine. And I became perfect at it to where all of my senses were stimulated. Everyone from taste to sound to everything was stimulated. I, I brought it to its full end, and I was empty and miserable. Because unless we have the gift to enjoy the gift, it's vanity. And what we want to do is the gift over here is basically knowing God. If you and I include and know God, and we have that, then we can come over here and enjoy the gift. This is not something we do separate. He goes on to say in, uh, in Ecclesiastes, he said that for who can eat and who can drink and who can enjoy anything without him? I know this, that there's nothing better for a man than to rejoice and to do good in his life. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor because it alone is a gift from God. And he goes on to say, throughout the whole book, he throws and weaves in there that enjoying the gift is possible and the pleasures, and we can become merry if we have the gift of knowing God. So God designed things for pleasure. He designed them for us to enjoy, 
if they're enjoyed according to the design. And yet we have so many, so many lies and deception that somehow this gift can satisfy me. And so we go on. God says in Psalm, uh, let's see, Psalm 104, that I will cause the grass to grow for all the cattle, and I'll give vegetation for the labor of man so that he can bring forth food to be enjoyed from the earth. And I'll give him wine that'll make his heart glad and make him happy so that he may make his face glisten with oil. And this food will sustain man's heart and satisfy him. And so God gave us wine. God gave us the, the pleasures that they might be enjoyed. But he refers throughout the entire Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he refers to all of these things by using the example of honey. And he says honey was something that was, that was used as a phrase that was pleasant. It was awesome. And he said, if you find honey, take enough that satisfies you. Otherwise, you'll take too much and vomit it and bring forth death. So he's going to talk about all the different things that we can have and enjoy. So I, I wanted to, first of all, let you know that those of you that think that wine or alcohol or anything like that is from the pit and it's not of God, the scriptures I can go through over and over and gobs of verses that said that is not true. Okay, now that we have that settled, okay, but I am saying this, if you take wine, alcohol, or anything like that over here and you try to unwrap it, untie it without the gift of not only knowing God but including God in your partaking, then it becomes sin. And you begin to isolate yourself from God. So he wants included in it. Scripture is over and over again telling you what are the dangers of it. You need to know, just like I need to know, your own body, your own makeup. God says present your body, soul, and spirit to God, which is acceptable to him. You need to know it. I have a good friend uh, a lot of you know him as Dr. Mortimer. Uh, this is the veterinarian. And he is just an incredible man. Uh, but he has in his body an allergic reaction to peanuts. It is not just a minor allergic reaction. It is a deathly reaction. One day, some of you were with me, so one day we were at a get-together. I think it was New Year's Eve. And, uh, and somebody made some cookies and they said they made some chocolate chip cookies. So we picked one up and we ate it, and in about, well, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, Jim Mortimer realized that they were not chocolate chips, they were peanut butter chips they had put in them. And we looked at him and you could tell immediately this guy, man's in trouble. I had never seen the reaction, I'd only heard about it, I jump in the car, we head down from Rimrock, we're heading down the, uh, the, the highway down there. The door is open, I'm screaming by, and the door is open as he is vomiting out everything he can, and he's getting puffier and puffier, and we race into his office, and we stick him with a pen, and we slow this down. This is a person that now, as you look at him, and wherever you go, it doesn't matter what restaurant you're going to, he takes very, very much care of saying, can I talk to the chef, please? I don't, can't even have it cooked on it. 
I also have a lot of dear friends, especially recently, that have found out that they're gluten intolerant or they have a celiac disease. If they eat gluten, uh, they absolutely are sick and miserable. It is foolish to go ahead and for them to go ahead and say, well, gosh, Donovan's eating these donuts. I'm going to eat them anyway. Well, you know, I'm not going to not do it. I can do it, and I'll be absolutely miserable if I have celiac disease. There are many of you out here that you have a reaction to alcohol. You can't go ahead and have a sip and control it and do it underneath the power of the living God enjoying it with you. And so therefore, you ought to be in the same way that anybody that is allergic to peanuts and somebody that's allergic to the gluten, you ought to be able to say, you know what, God designed this body that it is not tolerable for alcohol and that you should choose to say, you know what, I can live creatively a life without it. Does that make sense? Don't challenge and stretch yourself different than what your body is. God says that I have poured out for you, I have portioned out for you, not only what you need financially, not only what you need emotionally, I've poured out for you what your body will be like on this planet. There are just some things you're gonna live with. Nick and I have talked about this since his virus. I said, who would have ever guessed that somehow this is poured out for you so that you will reflect God in a way greater than you could have reflected him before. And you just have to accept that. There's just things he cannot do. We were going to go hiking. I had a great plan. I thought it was a great plan that we were going to take all of the 10 grandchildren and we we're going to take a hike and we we're going to stop at all the stations of the cross and talk about Jesus and all this stuff. And I totally spaced it out when Nick looked at me and what do I do? Because he can't hike. He can't walk that far and so he has to know the limitations of his body there's things he will not attempt to do and I ask you the same thing is that you know your body and that you know that the only way that you take and partake in anything is if God has created your body to partake in it in a healthy way that brings pleasure to God and doing so now we always come to this place and we have the majority of the people that have said, well, you shouldn't ever drink anyway because it'll cause your brother to stumble. Anybody heard that? Okay. Well, let me correct some poor theology with that. Okay. Having a donut downstairs, you are not sitting, sinning against somebody up here that has celiac disease. Okay. Or we don't get to ever eat a carb we don't ever get to eat, maybe it'd be good for us. We don't ever eat anything like that. It basically, the word there means that you would come along and somebody that has a weak conscience, that's somebody that's not completely clear biblically of what they can do, and you cause them to partake. You cause them to stumble. You cause them to partake when they have a weak conscience. That's what's causing a brother to stumble is that you are going ahead and what you're doing brings them an ability to act on something that they do not have a strong conscience on. Romans says in Romans 14 that if your conscience is, is weak, you should not act. So if you leave here today saying, hey, Bill said I can drink, and you're not confident that you should have something to drink right now, you're in sin if you drink alcohol. Because you need to have a strong conscience that means that you have clearly heard the living word of God say that this is okay for you to do. Now, everybody in here knows this, 
that God says it is okay for you to go ahead and have that, but do not be controlled by it because he wants you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, if you do it just to go ahead and, and lose a little bit of control of yourself, the scripture goes on and says you will become a fool. You'll make yourself a fool. You will even not remember what you do. And you rise and you say things. Reminds me of the, that guy that I think he was in, uh, in uh, Ireland. And I'm not good at Ireland accent, even though I'm Irish. I, but he came in, and uh, he came into a bar, and he had been sitting at the bar a lot longer than just enjoying it, and he began to uh, drink more than he was supposed to. And they had a game uh, that they did all the time. It was a dart game, and they had it behind the bar, and I think I've told you this before. And uh, what you do is you'd take a dart and you'd throw it, and if anybody could hit the bullseye from the place where they had marked, they got a gift. And so uh, the, the more he drank, the more he began to look like he drank, and his shirt began to get a little different, and he began to stumble a little bit. And he says, hey, uh, bartender. And he says, uh, well, what is this uh, contest game thing? And he said, well, uh, you go ahead and you grab a dart, and if you can hit the bullseye, you get a gift, and it's, it's a really secret gift. Well, okay, let me give her a try. So he hands him the dart, and he picks up the dart like this, and the first he goes like this, and he goes back, and he gets the dart again, and he just throws it right in the center of the bullseye. And the guy looks, and everybody, because nobody's hit it at the distance it was, and I thought, well, okay. And he looked under, and, he said, and, the, and the bartender said, you know, I've been waiting for, to give this gift because this is a real, unique, uh, rare-to-find uh, blue turtle. And he, he brings out, and he gives the guy the turtle, and the guy grabs a turtle, and he sticks it in his coat, and he heads on out the door. And about two weeks later, the guy comes back. And... Same thing, over again. And throws the dart, hits the bullseye again. And he goes, I cannot believe it. And he and looks down there, and he says, we just do not have this many winners. Uh, what, did I, what did I give you last time? And I go, well, I, it was a roast beef sandwich, but the bun was really hard. And, and I think sometimes we drink and we say, that didn't affect me. And I think that's what we get like in this. And the thing that I, I wanted to kind of lay out before you is that in any type of vice, and whether that vice is exercise, and because I've seen that, I've seen it's worth excessive with exercise. Exercise is good for you. It's healthy for you. But I've seen exercise, the, the, the demand for needing it so bad because of their own insecurity will absolutely destroy many relationships. They're, when somebody calls to be with them, they can't because they have to be working out. They have to be exercising. They over-exercise so much that now all of a sudden they've become intoxicated with it. I've seen it happen with food where people will abstain from all kinds of foods and say, oh, this is not healthy, this is not healthy. I've read this and this is not healthy. And, and God even gave us this in Scripture. He gave us three or four examples, and he says uh, he let down the sheet of all kinds of animals and, and owls and things that were profane to the, to the uh, 
people that were of Jerusalem, and he said, I, I tell you, get up and eat. And Peter says, no, I will not eat anything that is profane or common or unclean. And God stops and says, Peter, don't you ever call anything common or unclean that I have blessed. And he says, yet we'll be in a day where people abstain from all kinds of foods and things. I'm not telling you that it's not wise to eat better and not wise to watch what you eat. I'm saying you can become as, as obsessed with that as people are when they over drink. It happens with people that seek money. You've seen it make every decision for their life based upon what they make. Today I thought at, at a, a while that we were really going to have a deal because it was cold, it was 15 below zero, and people weren't coming, but when people walked in, we did not have donuts at first. And I said, I'll bet you we have nobody if we did. And I'm just saying, we can get anything that will become excessive to us, and we just need to be careful. God says, if you find honey, eat only that which your body desires, and not too much. I believe there's a balance and there's an obedience. And in conclusion with a lot of these things, I want to challenge you with some stuff. Number one, and, and again, well, I'm referring to alcohol today. I'm not at all limited to that. I'm limited to whatever it might be that you somehow are obsessed with at times. Every man and every woman in here was designed by God to be intoxicated. Do you know that? God commands you to be intoxicated. He says, I want you to be drunk with him. Intoxicated. The word literally means out of your mind. People ought to look at you like they did at Pentecost when, when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They said, these guys are drunk. They're intoxicated. He said, no, they're not. But this is what the Holy God does to your life. He fills you. He intoxicates you to where you will be, like I said last time, hold your hand lest I be consumed by your holiness and your glory. You were designed to be intoxicated by him, by a person, by the living word. Not to ever try to replace that with something else. So I think encouraging, number one, I want you to consider this in closing. I want you to consider times of fasting just to know what your body can handle. And to say, you know what, God, I believe you and I are to fast, whatever it might be. Let's go ahead and choose a time to not partake in this, to make sure that I'm not replacing something that you designed to have. So pick a time of fast. He commands it in 1 Corinthians for sex and marriage. He commands it with food. He commands it for drink. Pick a time to fast. If you can't fast, you've got a problem. You've, you've got an allergy with alcohol. And you ought to be wise. Flee from it. Abstain from it. After that, I want you to know that what also a fast does, besides let you know what you're addicted to, it also fulfills this last song that Tom sang. It declares your allegiance. It is a demonstration of who you are surrendered to. I surrender all. Is that I am not going to partake in this because I declare my allegiance to you more than anything else that I think could satisfy. You're all I want. You're all I need. David did it awesome, and he tried all of these things. But he'd always come back and says, Whom do I have in heaven besides you? And there's nothing and no one on this earth but you that completely satisfies my heart. And when we also fast, it allows you to understand, become familiar with what it's like to be controlled by the one who is designed to intoxicate you. 
Because once you've tasted it, I can tell you this about my life, that if there's times where I would be out and in, 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 in tasting wine or whatever, go to a, a winery and say, wow, that is really good wine. And, and there's a place where all of a sudden I might have had more than I needed to have. What bothers me the most is I can sense no longer the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, even if nobody else can notice. And it absolutely, I hate it. I want to know what it means and feels at all times to be controlled by the one that was designed to control me. So a fast sometimes allows you to get used to knowing what is it like to be empowered and controlled by the Holy Spirit. There's so many people that never stop their vice long enough to know what it's like. Then the next thing says, vote with your feet. Vote with your feet. And all that basically means is when you understand where you are and God has called you to be balanced, that you have to go ahead and vote with your feet. I find it, to me, a we're in a generation that, that I, don't, I don't know if this is new or just new to me, but this whole younger generation, they are going to be responsible drunks. Because, and they are saying, we're going to be responsible. We're going to give our keys to somebody else. Does that strike anybody funny? It's like, I understand if you have found yourself drank too much, you should give your keys and be responsible. But you don't go out giving your keys intending to be irresponsible. That's like me saying to my wife, honey, I'm going to go down to the house of prostitution, but don't worry, I'll use protection. I'll be responsible. It's sin. So vote with your feet. Often, often say, God, what are you wanting? So tonight... Uh, I'm having a get-together. I'm looking forward to the get-together, and I'll have to go ahead and say, Father, tonight we go. I need just as much empowered by the Holy Spirit tonight as I did standing up there this morning. Without me, I can be a complete idiot, and tonight I need to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. So you let me know what we are going to share if we have a drink. You let me know that. I want to be sensitive to that. It just means vote with your feet. Does that make sense? Oh, I, didn't, I lost track of time. Sorry, Tom. Let's do this. Let's pray together. And I want in the midst of the end of my prayer that you would realize once again it ends just like the beginning, and that is that Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I that live, but the life of the power of Christ that lives in me. You can't do anything I mentioned today unless God inhabits and empowers your life. It is impossible. Pray with me. Father, thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you have given us and left us your very presence through your Son revealed to us through your word. Thank you that you're a God that cares about us. You designed these bodies to be intoxicated by you, that we would be literally uh, ridiculously silly to a world, but they would be drawn to us because of who you are. Give us wisdom, Holy Spirit to know how to balance the pleasures that you have given us. I pray, Father, that we would all have this gift over here and it would be the main focus, the gift of knowing you and including you so that we could then enjoy the gifts that you have left us. And we're going to trust you to do it in your holy name. Amen. Amen.